episode of the TCLF one-on-one series. Through the one-on-one series, we aim to interact with the best legal professionals from India and around the world. Today, we have another fantastic guest with us, Ms. Vasna Dasgupta. Ma'am is currently a PhD student at the Institute of Air and Space Law, McGill University, Canada. And she has also completed a master's in air and space law from the very same university. Prior to that, she has worked with some of the top law firms in the country, and she has won numerous academic accolades throughout her journey. Uh, ma'am, it's, a, it's an honor to have you. Thank you, Shashrit. This is an honor to be here. Uh, ma'am, just to set the tone for the conversation, uh, it can be observed that space law is not a very popular field amongst Indian law schools. Uh, to be particular, so what what made you uh, you know interested in the field? What was your first encounter like with the field of space law? Uh, so my first encounter with space law was actually the Manfred Labs Moot Court competition, um, which I think is the first space law moot uh, first uh, encounter for a lot of Indian students. Uh, Manfred Labs being one of the most prestigious international uh, moot competition. I mean, uh, that was one of the reasons we chose that mode uh, as a team. But then once I started uh, researching on it, I was fascinated by uh, by the speed. So uh, basically that. And then uh, so when I did my man flags, that was 2010, uh, 2009. So that is like a long time back. But I, it's also true that during that time, there were uh, less Indian universities dealing with space law. But now I think uh, there's more awareness, little more awareness since then. Right, uh, like in the recent times, many Indian law schools are indeed coming up with research centers. For example, GNLU has a fantastic center and NALS are also. So yeah, there, there is a growing popularity of space law in India, but it's still at the very nascent stage. So ma'am, uh, you've completed a master's in air and space law and you're also currently uh, you know, pursuing a PhD in space law. So can you tell us some of uh, something about your research work in the field? What, what are the primary areas that you have worked upon? So the primary uh, areas that I've worked upon are a lot on international uh, space responsibilities, their state responsibility for states. Uh, so that is uh, that is right now what I'm working on, and um, and also space environmental pollution. And so basically, if you ask me what is my thesis uh, right now, my thesis is basically international state responsibility for preventing collisions in outer space. So that is what it um, what I am working on right now. My master's thesis was um, on responsibility and liability also, but it was on uh, a responsibility and liability for sale of satellites, uh, which are already on orbit. So that's Thank something you. I've worked on, but there are various other projects I've been working as a research assistant. So on uh, space law in general. I think uh, uh, space environmental pollution and as you're talking about collisions is a very uh, very interesting field we can see that with the development of small satellites and majorly you know even private sector players trying to launch their own satellites we can see that many many satellites are going into space right now and that is causing some some water space traffic i should say so that's a very interesting field to work upon ma'am and i wish you all the good luck uh, with your thesis as well uh, so ma'am, an Indian space legislation uh, has been long overdue. Uh, 
there have been discussions there have been some drafts but we do not have a concrete space policy i should say so what have been some of the challenges for india as far as formalization of a space policy or law is concerned uh so i am glad you asked that question because right now at the moment india is trying to come up with space policy and so there was a draft on communication satellites on communications uh, that came in november uh on that came in october i think yes in october and there's one in remote sensing that came in november and but these are uh, these are still drafts and under commencement phase and uh, they are trying to they're trying to have a comprehensive uh, way of dealing with uh, dealing with the space problem and also you you must be aware that at the moment they have created uh, created a body so that you know to distinguish more between the uh, commercial space activities of the government so and like what have like, yeah. like what have been the major challenges yet So, what are the main challenges with regards to? I'm sorry. An Indian, an Indian, an Indian space legislation. Like, why has there been so much of a delay? I should say. I think the I think there's a question of whether there is a necessity. That is the most important thing. I think we. Uh, I mean, as lawyers and as police policymakers, I think they all agree that. uh that we need only when we need a legislation we should have it and law generally acts uh reactively rather than proactively generally right so uh so the question is that the, because still now almost all the activities are done by isro or isro or antrix which is the commercial arm so till now there was not much necessity there were private players which were interested and they would take part and uh, like manufacturing of satellites they would take part in the space business but the ultimate responsibility and the ultimate uh, ultimate uh, launching is done by uh, the by the government so i think that is why there was a question of whether there was a necessity but right now india is trying to uh, right now there is a change and india is trying to uh, encourage its private sector to in, enter the space field and uh, we also must understand there is a question of budget for the government right so um, like where they allocate the budget so sometimes uh, it is necessary to involve private sector uh, so that uh, uh, the government does not have to spend as much on uh, on or space sector and this has been the case in us so i'm not saying that that's the same case in india but that may be the case in certain right right that that might just be the case right so uh, moving on ma'am there have been uh, a lot of interesting developments in the field of space tourism as well we've seen that uh, companies like spacex and uh, you know even amazon has some plans for you know commercializing the entire thing and letting people travel to space in the near future so and uh, quite normally so uh, the space tourism uh, uh, part will also raise some new legal challenges for example the territoriality principle will come into the question the question of jurisdiction and how the laws will interact so 
like can you highlight some of the uh, can you first of all tell us more about what space tourism actually involves and what will be the kind of legal challenges that will come up uh so the space tourism or the suborbital tourism that we talk about if firstly it can really revolutionize the travel industry because if i am not sure of the exact timeline but what it says that you can move from tokyo to new york in less than 2 hours or even less than that and it takes a lot of time and you know, so the so it would really because you don't have to go against the air pressure so i guess that is the reason that uh, it would uh, really uh, make the travel faster and that's something that the need of the day uh, at the moment uh, even more because covid if uh, pandemic if it's going to stay then uh, there's a lot of process to clean and so that takes a lot of time in travel time so if at least the flight time is reduced that would uh, that would incentivize the uh, airline consumers to travel right so that is one thing but the space tourism has a lot of issues the question is either it is, is it to be governed by air law or is it to be governed by space law right. so air law and space law are uh, even though they deal with uh, with re- geographical regions which are uh, not too far from each other but the problem is that they are governed by completely different principles air law is governed by aviation law is governed by sovereignty of the state so a state has complete sovereignty over its uh, airspace whereas our state is governed by freedom of exploration for all and non appropriation of the outer space so, so if that is the problem then it is obvious to not a to and general person that there is a boundary but the thing is there is no boundary yeah. there is uh, some some states are trying to uh, have that in their uh, legislation for example australia i think is one of the state which said 100 km is the 100 km is where uh, space starts but then uh, there not all states have been taking consistent views and most of the states have not been taking any views at all so the question is that whether suborbital tourism is governed by space or, or air so that is a very important question uh, and it really depends on the country to country and what stance they are taking but uh, it, to my to my uh, to my understanding i think it should be the functional so if the point is just to travel from one country to another then perhaps it's may it makes more sense to govern by air law rather than space law right and i think uh, another reason why this go uh, the question of governance is very important is because ultimately you have to regulate these players because what they do in space will have consequences for the entire world because space debris is a lot of concern and you know for uh, for example some unfortunate incident happens or uh, you have to regulate these private players because at the end of the day it's nothing but an exploration uh, for them as well so i think uh, it's it's very important to regulate uh, i have to i have to agree and disagree on certain points so right. regulation yes there is need for regulation uh, but if if there is something happening on space though if there is a damage like for example collision uh, 
Now, in that case, uh, there is, um, in that case, what happens is that um, uh, there is already a liability convention there which says that there's a collision between two space objects or a space object or something else, then the certain lab, uh, money has to be paid, uh, compensation has to be paid. So, so there is already some, some law regarding that, whether it has to be regulated more or it has to be regulated more properly and it has to be implemented, yes. I think the liability lies upon the launching state, uh, as far as I, I can recall, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, moving on, ma'am, uh, there has been a lot of discussion. In fact, we had a contribution uh, on our blog on this theme as well. There has been a lot of discussion about uh, data governance in outer space, like what laws govern data in outer space. So can you shed some light, uh, light upon that? What the entire issue is about? So the outer space data, so the data from where it is accessed, it would generally be a, a satellite, or for yeah. example, in ISS, it would if in the International Space Station, it would be in a module which belongs to a country. So the outer space law is very clear that the module or the or the space object basically. Uh, where uh, the state of registry has the the state of registry or the launching state, it has some control over it, and the state of registry has retains jurisdiction and control over the uh, satellite or the space object. So at the moment, I think uh, it would generally be governed by the state having jurisdiction and control. Okay. And like uh, just to follow up on that question. Uh, like, this is a very important question. I've read a lot of articles on this, a lot of uh, debate happening over this as well. Like, do you think that the present international framework with regards to space law, uh, the, the very basis being out the Outer Space Treaty and, you know, the related conventions, is it adequate or is it satisfactory in order to deal with these emerging issues? Because we can see that technology is constantly evolving and law has to move uh, you know, in pace with the technology. There has to be some, you know, uh, proportional, you know, run basis for the same. So do you think that it is adequate at the moment? If not, uh, what are some of the gaps and what is the way forward in your opinion as a, as a researcher? So to question, uh, to answer the adequacy, it's a, it's, a, it's a long, long discussion, but I would say that Outer Space Treaty and the related treaties, they provide a base framework. There's no doubt about it. But of course, uh, it was entered at a time in 1950s, 1960s, and uh, sorry, 1960s, 1970s. And uh, so at that time, of course, we could not uh, guess that the technological development would reach to this extent. But since then, like since the 1960s and 1970s, there have been no hard treaty law entered into, and there has been a little, um, uh, little, uh, what do you call it? A uh, I mean, less development in terms of law. Uh, less deference to the uh, to having uh, a more treaty law. So there are soft laws, like we have the long-term sustainability guidelines. We have other uh, uh, we have the space debris uh, gui guidelines that we the copious that into was entered into there are many soft laws but the question with soft laws and the problem with soft laws is of course that 
the question of their binding nature. So there has been no <laughs> law. So the question is the copious, which is uh, which is the forum where laws are entered into, uh, the space laws are entered into. The question is whether there have been a lot of questions in recent uh, times, whether it is, uh, it is uh, adequate, but I think it, it is not just the question of whether the procedure is, uh, procedure is uh, good, it's also a question of the will of the states. Absolutely, ma'am. That's, that's something that I would completely agree upon. And this was a very enriching conversation for me. And uh, it was a very interesting conversation because space law as a field is very interesting if you really get into it because uh, it, is, it is bound to develop and it is bound to become more popular because of the increasing activities in the space. We can see the countries are shaping up their space policies as well and they have numerous plans. So do you have any piece of advice for space law enthusiasts as to what should be the course of action and where just to find the inspiration? I think the inspiration uh, for uh, space law, and I have to uh, say this, uh, very emphasize on this because it's international law. So space law, unlike aviation law, is not very different from uh, international law, so the inspiration of it is international law. So if you like space law, it's the chances are you would like international law too. And also, I guess a little excitement about what is happening in space is also something that adds to it. Thank you so much, ma'am, uh, once again for joining us. And uh, uh, it, it was truly an honor and it was a very enriching conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.